Welcome to Park Ave Baptist Church Podcast. A weekly broadcast of our Sunday sermon. I'm Himra Chanel, pastor of community engagement and stewardship. And I'm Darcy Jarrett, pastor of worship, advocacy, and arts. Park Ave is a bold, inclusive, and creative community where everyone is welcome. We uplift voices and identities that are marginalized elsewhere. We affirm all ethnicities, racial identities, ages, socioeconomic groups, gender identities, and sexual orientations because we hold to a theology that refuses to other anyone. At Park Ave, our leadership model is non-hierarchical. And we practice an open pulpit where you will hear a multiplicity of theologically trained voices from different backgrounds and social locations. We don't just preach and talk about deconstructing systems and structures of power. We We practice practice it. Through this podcast, we hope you will be inspired, encouraged, and challenged. Listen Listen with with us now. Greetings to my second church home, Park Avenue Baptist Church. I'm so grateful for this opportunity to be in worship virtually with you during this time. I greet you with love. I greet you with compassion. I greet you with prayers of healing that you are safe, that you are calm, that you are journeying inward. I pray thanksgiving for your invitation and my heart is grieved that I cannot see you face to face, but look forward to the time when we will see one another and fellowship as we had once done before. If you'll turn with me to the book of Exodus, chapter 17, verses 1 through 7. It reads like this. From the wilderness of sin, the whole congregation of the Israelites journeyed by stages as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. The people quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink, Moses. And Moses said to them, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water. And the people complained against Moses and said, why did you bring us out of Egypt? To kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried out to the Lord, what what shall I do with these people? They're almost ready to stone me. The Lord said to Moses, go on ahead of the people and take some of the elders with you. Take your hand to the staff which you struck the Nile and go. I will be standing there in front of you at the rock of Horeb. Strike the rock and the water will come out of it so that the people may drink. Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. He called the place Massa and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled and tested the Lord saying, is the Lord among us or not? Let us pray. Oh God, we have questions. We have questions of your presence and questions of your provision. We have questions, dear God. Questions of where we are and where you promised we would be. Dear God, speak now and give us your word that we may stand more sure-footed on your promises, remembering your promise never to leave or forsake. Lead us and guide us as you did even those in this text, that we may see the land of milk and honey in the days to come. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In our text today, we find a people on a journey. Some historians have quoted them to be as many as two million in number, traveling on their way to a promised land said to be flowing with milk and honey. It was a promise of liberation from oppression, freedom from bondage, and evacuation from the margins. It was their way up out of the hood, a different way of living, of thinking, of being, where hope wasn't in mere survival. Hope was in true freedom, the fullest expression of human existence under the watchful stewardship of a liberating God. This was their good news given to them by Moses on behalf of God, something they could have never imagined for themselves. It was a dream, a promise, something to strive for, something to keep them going on their journey. They were on a journey in the wilderness where there was neither milk nor honey. This band of tribes were trekking through uncharted territories, terrains they had never encountered before. They were on a journey. The text says they were making this trip and stages from Egypt to Sukkot, Sukkot to Etham, Etham back to Pahahirath, from Pahahirath to the Red Sea, from the Red Sea to Shur, from Shur to Mara from Mara to Elam, from Elam to the wilderness of Sin, and from Sin to where they had camped now in Rephidim. I can imagine that for them, every leg of this trip felt new. It felt different. It was strange. I'm sure that if they were asked, none of them would claim to have seen or experienced anything like what they were now seeing and experiencing. In fact, I believe that had you asked them just weeks or months prior to this moment, they may not have even been able to imagine all that had transpired in this seemingly short amount of time. Despite this not being the first leg of their journey, it still felt different. It felt new. This was not what they were used to. See, they had been in bondage for hundreds of years. That's generation upon generations, not knowing anything but servitude in life, never seeing a silver lining to their circumstances. But now, suddenly, in such a short amount of time, things had changed. Where they had once been forced to labor, they were now given a promise and invited to follow the leadership of a man on a mission named Moses where they were once relying on Pharaoh and the Egyptians to provide for them scraps for food and minimal shelter, they were now looking to Moses and he to an invisible God that they had yet to see or hear from directly. Yes, they were on a journey, physically wandering this unknown wilderness, but spiritually wrestling with a new idea of faith, faith in a God they could not see. 
Now, unfortunately for the Israelites, they did not journey well. I don't know if any of you struggled to journey well. I have a problem with packing light, so I can imagine me having to travel through the wilderness with my heavy cargo, my suitcases, my carry-ons, pulling them through terrains. I don't travel far distances well if I have to pack light. But the traveling well that the Israelites struggled with was more about their temperament, their spirit, than it was about their luggage. It seemed like every stop along the way proved to be even more challenging than the one before. From the first time Moses ever uttered the words, let my people go, to their current campsite in Rephidim, the people complained. They grumbled about everything. They bickered. They did not journey well. Every step was more uncomfortable than the one before it. Despite that they had continued to make progress, every obstacle was more unnerving, even though they had been protected along the way. Every breath was more uncertain, even though God had been speaking to Moses the whole time. Contrary to their own belief, freedom was appearing to be not as easy as they thought it would be. They were tired. They were losing hope. They were losing patience. Was freedom supposed to feel this way? Will life always be this hard? It wasn't so bad in Egypt, was it? How long is this going to last? Where is God? Is the Lord among us or not? They cried. And what probably caused them to ask these questions most, I gather, is that in the midst of their liberation, life continued to happen. I think that's where we can find our common footing with the people in this text. See, they, like many of us, envisioned our promised land, but failed to consider the many costs along the way, the many ways that life would show up in spite of our goals. Our minds create a narrative, much like a movie's montage that highlights the challenges we'd face in about 30 seconds, accompanied to a soundtrack with a 90s upbeat song. And then it cuts to the happily ever after. We aspire with great attempt to cut through life's crises to avoid the pain of dreams deferred. We specialize in escapist tactics to avoid the sting of consequences, disappointment, loss, grief, heartache, heartbreak, lack, want, uncertainty, insecurity, fear, illness. All of that we cast aside in hopes that our dreams will be realities without life entering into the picture. See, the Israelites had probably dreamt of freedom but freedom void of a wilderness, freedom absent of long walks over mountains and through valleys and deserts, freedom absent of dry, arid landscapes ensconced with poisonous wildlife and days without food, freedom without a need for reliance on God, freedom without conflict. And we, like them, envision our promised lands. We set our goals and chart our courses, seldom considering life's crises. We see God's promises and we believe that somehow God's promises will cancel out life's challenges. But unfortunately, life is much more complicated than that. Life is complex. 
It's multi-layered. And we are a part of a creation that is multi-dimensional, residing in the hands of a God that is multifaceted. It's complex. It's both physical and spiritual in nature. And so even as they walked physically to their promised land, life continued to happen to them and around them, leaving them uncertain and afraid. Where would their next provision come from? Where were they going to next? What would they encounter along the way? That was the uncertainty. Did you bring us here to die, Moses? That was the fear. We can identify with their uncertainty and we can identify with their fear, especially now. Today, on the Ides of March 2020, just three months into our new year, riddled with so much uncertainty, so much fear, who could have imagined that what we've witnessed just in this past week alone, so much change in such a short amount of time, uncertainty and fear. We approached 2020 with hopes of new beginning. 2019 really sucked for many of us, but 2020 was a promise of greatness to come. And yet here we are in the third month of the year, trying to make sense of what has transpired in such a short amount of time. From plane crashes to storms, to deaths and homicide, to poverty and laws that make no sense, to an election that looks more like the circus, to a, a process in Cap on Capitol Hill that has less to do with the people they serve and more to do with some other twisted way of being in leadership and maneuvering and manipulating one's own power. We have faced in such a short amount of time things that have rendered us puzzled. What is going on in the world today? From headline to headline, from post to post, we don't know where to look next. And suddenly in the last few weeks, something crazy, something seemingly crazy has taken place. But perhaps this part of our journey speaks more to our character as human beings than it does to anything else. See, the crisis of the coronavirus was in existence and came to the forefront of our thought months ago. But many people dismissed it because it was isolated and distant. It was nothing that we needed to be concerned about. But suddenly, because the virus has appeared closer and closer to our homes and our neighborhoods, now we exert a level of interest and in understanding more about the virus, its impact, its spread, how to contain it, how to avoid it, how to navigate it, how to live through it, how to overcome it, who is at jeopardy, who is at risk. But the risk has existed for longer than it has impacted those of us here in the United States uncertainty and fear. We find ourselves asking similar questions to the Israelites. Where will our next provisions come from? Where are we going to be next? What will we encounter? Did you bring us here to die? Uncertainty and fear. Wholesale aisles have been wiped out of paper products, produce, bread, canned goods, and meats. 
We have run into a crisis where stores are limiting the amount of cases of water that customers can buy. Fear and uncertainty. Unsure if our water supply will become compromised and scarce and what will happen to us and our family if that becomes our reality. Where will our next provision come from? Where are we going next? Did you bring us here to die? They were on a journey and we too are on a journey. And even though in actuality everything seems to be slowing down, events are being canceled, travel postponed, companies are encouraging employees to work from home, schools have moved to online learning, the changes have happened so quickly that we are having a hard time keeping up. Whole cities and countries have been quarantined. Travel bans have been imposed. States of emergency have been issued, leaving us with a lot of questions and very few conclusive answers beyond the reverberating mantra, we don't know. We don't know how long this will last. We don't know if it's the flu. We don't know if it's the virus. We don't know if you will live. We don't know if you will die. We don't know how to cure it. We don't know how to stop it. We just have to try to avoid it. So many uncertainties, giving life to so many fears. And so within a matter of days and weeks and months, life as we have known it, life as they had known it, has changed. Many of us, like the Israelites in the wilderness, are uncertain and afraid. But there is good news. We are on a journey, both physical in nature and spiritual in nature. This Lenten season marks our faith's journey through the wilderness traveling along the lines of the 40 days that Jesus was in the wilderness tempted by Satan. Your church, Park Avenue Baptist Church, has a call to be on a journey, a journey inward. And like the millions following Moses, whose journey led them in to the wilderness, we are being led inward. Despite their forgetfulness, the children of Israel had seen God in action before. While they complained about water, they had borne witness to the one who parts the seas. And so we too are on a journey. And I have come to believe that some of the most transforming, hope-filled moments in life happen first on the inside. It's no surprise that we have been called to avoid that which is chaotic, that which is detrimental by journeying inward, staying home, being in our solitude spaces where we have a more controlled environment. In the same way, on a spiritual level, we are called on the inside, the place where the very spirit of God resides within us. We have been called to journey inward. The truth, though, is that we spend very little time going on the inside. Nobody likes to go into the wilderness. 
No one wants an extended stay on the cusp of deprivation. Who opts for fasting for fun? Who chooses social seclusion when you can be amongst friends? But powerful things happen when we're willing to go in. The thing about the Israelites, and it's a definite catch-22, because on the one hand, they complain like nobody's business, okay? I read this text and I get frustrated for Moses. It sometimes drives me up the wall, like, like literally. God just saved you five verses ago. Have you forgotten already? Did you forget about the miracles in Egypt? Have you forgotten the manna from heaven? You got it this morning. This morning, the manna was there. Have you forgotten that God made a way? Have you forgotten the valley and the springs that God had led you to so soon? And just as I'm getting frustrated with the Israelites, an overwhelming sense of compulsion to give them their props because in spite of their uncertainty, in spite of their fear, in spite of their complaints, they persevered. They journeyed from land to land, chapter after chapter, verse by verse, step after step, Fear did not paralyze them. Uncertainty did not detain them. They may have pondered a life easier back in Egypt, but they did not turn back. And because they stayed on this journey, this walk of faith, this promise, this journey to God's promise, we are able to read stories about the miracle God, the miracles that God has already performed and stand on the words that God has already spoken. There is power in the journey, not in spite of life happening, but because life continues to happen. Because life continues to happen, we come to know God in a different way. Because life happens, we come to see God at work in the little things and in the big ones. Because life continues to happen, the promise for life and that more abundant becomes our reality. And I know that Jesus is not in this text, but what kind of Baptist preacher would I be if I didn't take it to the cross and resurrection? Plus, we have a luxury that the Israelites didn't have. We are reading their story where they were living it. We know what will come next when they had no clue. Their unanswered questions of is the Lord among us or not remained unanswered. Perhaps with a question of, I don't, or the reverberating response of, we don't know. Other than the words given to them by Moses and Aaron, it was not confirmed for them just yet. But we on the other side, thousands of years later, can answer with a resounding yes. Are we being brought to this place to die? I don't know. But what I do know is that death has lost its sting. I can't tell you what will happen next, when schools will open, how long this pandemic will last, if the shelves will be restocked or if the water will run dry. But what I can tell you is that there is power in continuing the journey. There is power in taking step after step, even when we are unsure where the next step is. There is power in the journey. 
whether things go back to normal or if this adjustment becomes our new way of life. There is power in the journey because on that journey, we will come to know God in ways we have never known God before. It is on this journey that the Israelites discovered that God was a way maker. They discovered that God was a balm, that God was a provider, that God was a deliverer, that God was a warrior, that God was a teacher, that God was a redeemer, that God was a forgiver, that God gave second chances, that God could open up the heavens, that God would provide manna, that God could give them water from a rock, that God could take the little they had and make it much, that God could give them a new day, that God would breathe breath in them and give them life, that God would be there in the beginning, that God would journey with them ahead, that God will keep them every step of the way, that God had their back. This happened only on the journey. That's the only way they found it on the journey, step by step. Stay the course, brothers and sisters. Stay the course, family of God. Stay the course, no matter how uncertain or how afraid you get. God is in the midst of God's people. We don't have the answer to every question. We don't know why things have unfolded the way they did. But there is power in the journey. Step by step, God is there with us, going before us to guide us being behind us to keep us from straying, being above us to protect us, and residing on the inside to give us strength. Brothers and sisters, our challenge is simple. Continue the journey. Have we been brought here to die? We know that Christ fought death and overcame. So not only did death lose its sting, but the end is a new beginning. Did we come here to die? No. We came here that we might see the one who holds our lives in God's very own hands. We've come here to bear witness to the things we've never seen and only have seen and read before. There is power in the journey. There is power in the journey. There is power in the journey. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Park Avenue Baptist Church podcast. If you'd like to worship with us in person, our services are on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m.-ish. We are at 486 Park Ave in Southeast Atlanta, across the street from Grant Park, at the corner of Park Ave and Sydney Street. To find out more about us or get in touch, visit our website at parkavebaptist.com. Now go into a world that is too often unjust. Knowing that the God that created you loves you. And empowers you to love boldly, live inclusively, and serve creatively.